Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to the Med Street Journal podcast. My name is Rodney Hu. Today I'm joined by Mr. Evan Kirstel and Ms. Irma Rastagayeva. Irma is the chief digital storyteller and Evan is the chief digital evangelist of Evira Health. And so I'm excited to have them on, kind of share what they're doing over at Evira and what they're doing in the healthcare industry in general. So with that being said, guys, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rodney. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. No problem. No problem. So yeah, why don't we just jump into it? I want to give the listeners a quick background. Evan, we'll start with you. Um, kind of what Evira is and kind of how you got into healthcare. Yeah, thanks so much. So my interest in health technology came uh, kind of through the enterprise technology world. I, I've been in enterprise tech for 30 years. And a number of years ago, I noticed uh, healthcare creeping into tech, whether it's from a wearables perspective or apps on your iPhone or um, technology increasingly you know, being deployed at your doctor's office. I, I sort of developed a personal obsession and fascination with these emerging digital health technologies. And together with Irma, took our uh, personal obsession to clients in our marketing and digital agency called Avira Health, focused on building thought leadership and uh, and content around the uh, digital health and health tech world. So it's been a been a long road. Awesome, awesome. And then you obviously have an amazing co-founder in Irma. So I'd like to. Um, hand it over to you, kind of give you an opportunity to share on your background and how you got started and everything. Yeah, sure, uh, Rodney. I've been in healthcare for 30 plus years on parallel tracks of hands-on product development as well as patient advocacy and being a patient with multiple complex conditions myself. After getting my first master's degree in the 90s, I worked for a medical software and medical devices company while continuing to serve as a patient advocate for people with a variety of health conditions, including cancer, heart diseases, multiple sclerosis, blindness, and mental health, among others. Um, obviously, I've come to have very deep appreciation for the medical profession and for the healthcare overall, uh, while I also saw quite a number of different challenges that both patients um, advocates and even the physicians and other healthcare providers had faced. Um, so uh, being a hands-on software engineer and being in product development, I saw that that could be one way to address some of the challenges, but of course, not uh, technology cannot solve everything. I've also experienced the power of storytelling kind of from um, my early age, and then obviously through the patient advocacy experience and even in the industry. So uh, when Evan and I had formed Avira Health, that was our mandate is to use uh, our deep technical backgrounds, our experience and interest in the patient journey, um, and the power of storytelling to uh, bring about change and to give visibility to some important developments in healthcare. And that's what we do at Avira Health now. Um, with uh, Evan, it's been a three plus year journey so far and, and it's been one of uh, excitement and um, we're very hopeful for this coming year. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. One thing that really stuck out as I was listening to you talk is how you guys incorporate storytelling into the patient journey. And I think that's very important because the healthcare industry in general is super complex. And so when you're able to incorporate storytelling to connect with your audience, I think that's super powerful. So can you kind of like piggyback off that and kind of explain the importance of storytelling and how you guys actually help companies tell their story? Um, well, I guess I could just go a little bit further back in terms of how I fell in love with storytelling, which happened as a child uh, for me. Growing up in Ukraine, there was such a rich tradition of storytelling through music, dance, art, poetry, books, and movies. Mm. When I pursued my engineering education first in Ukraine and then in the U.S., in graduate school at Boston University, I did not think there was any room for storytelling in science and engineering. Um, but as I deepened my career, first as a software engineer, and then as an engineering manager, and further in my several roles at Google, I became a deep believer in the importance of storytelling, even in these fields. Um, that's how I was able to obtain buy-in from the various stakeholders and manage up to get support for my initiatives. Over the years, I often served as a spokesperson for technical teams to the rest of the organization. And of course, parallel to that, as a patient advocate for 20 plus or 30 years even, I found storytelling to be the key. Uh, you need to be able to ask insightful questions, to draw out the story from patients, and then listen to help them craft a narrative to captivate and engage. And beyond those kind of personal one-on-one -on -one interactions and experiences, through my work with TEDx Beacon Street, where I've coached dozens and dozens of TEDx speakers in storytelling, where they'd be speaking to large audiences in person and then um, actually millions of people's, people online through their um, uh, TED Talks, um, TED Talk recordings. Um, I've just grown to see with my own eyes just how powerful storytelling can be and how it could be an important tool in um, getting uh, buy-in and support, uh, whether that's support a startup to get funding and to get right partnerships to implement that technology and bring it to the world, or whether it is in the policy, you know, the policy level to get certain initiatives, um, uh, you know, tracking and uh, get them traction and 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 get that important buy-in so that some structural changes could also um, have a chance to um, to take place. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. And so you, you're working with a bunch of different, not only individual speakers, but different companies and different brands. And since you guys are like working in the healthcare industry, working with all these different companies, you I feel like you guys have a holistic view of the industry. So Evan, I have a question for you. And, and that's what sort of trends are you seeing in the industry? Um, just for with your own clients or just from your own research of what you're seeing? Well, I, I think the trends have become pretty self-evident this year. We've seen telehealth and telemedicine go from uh, two or three percent usage to sixty or seventy percent usage through the the COVID crisis, and we've seen about uh, ten years of digital adoption of technology in healthcare, not just in healthcare, across the board, uh, including telehealth and telemedicine in months. So. We've, we've really seen the future arrive, frankly, much more quickly than we ever would have imagined uh, a year ago. 
So whether that's telehealth, adoption of video technologies, adoption of uh, fast uh, gigabit wireless broadband in the home, whether it's 5G technologies, you know, we're consuming tech, uh, whether it's in our home or in the cloud or applications delivered through the cloud at enormous rates that are really unprecedented. And I think that uh, frankly is accelerating even uh, projected to continue beyond the pandemic. So this move to kind of an all digital world in healthcare, that means massive adoption of uh, the internet of medical things and of sensors and of IOT and of uh, a technology refresh that's happening in hospitals and doctor's offices that that is, uh, you, you know, the overarching trend that's really going to change everything. And power of technology, and it's advancing so rapidly. But it's crazy is that like, isn't it weird how like healthcare industry is the slowest to adopt new technology, even though like even though they're one of like the most expensive industries. It has been, and it's it's been an area ripe for disruptions. You're seeing the likes of uh, Amazon and Google and. Uh, CVS Health and Walmart and others entering this arena and, and probably uh, into next few years uh, disrupting the status quo, at least here in the US. So Irma, what are your thoughts? Well, it's so interesting that um, in terms of uh, year 2020 and what we were expecting as trends uh, at the beginning of the year, I had written about eight trends I was uh, seeing as coming in 2020. And it's interesting that uh, seven out of these eight have been further accelerated um, or took on even more importance during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so I'm actually uh, writing a piece kind of reflecting on that. And um, um, if we think about the um, whole uh, Kind of healthcare continuum. I always like to think about um, innovation on the continuum of care. As you know, the more upstream the intervention or the innovation is, the more uh, wide and deep is the impact of that innovation in both uh, overall costs as well as in, in human costs. So lives could be drastically changed if not saved. Uh, the more upstream is the innovation. So if you think about disease prevention, um, obviously uh, that's been a long talk of conversation in our healthcare system, which is known to be a sick care system. Um, but with COVID-19, um, this concept of disease prevention has never been more in the forefront of news and medical professionals and individuals and families as it is with the COVID-19 pandemic. So. COVID-19 being, being as deadly as it is, the importance of prevention through personal hygiene practices, so like masks and hand washing, as well as population health measures, that's social distancing and limiting gatherings, et cetera, and the potential vaccine, um, that all became paramount. And you can see how some of this is completely in our hands in terms of implementing our own practices. Some of it depends on some, you know, a few other people like you know, to implement social distancing, whether the vaccine development, that effort had to be a, an amazing um, collaboration from so many different stakeholders, obviously in the pharma industry, but in private public partnership and the government. Um, so, 
it's just, I think, brought the disease prevention as a concept so far uh, forward. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, in terms of uh, moving uh, further into other trends that I saw for 2020, like reducing employer healthcare costs. So in my predictions, I talked about employees wanting to see healthier, um, or employers wanting to see healthy employees by implementing the various wellness programs, having um, uh, more convenient options. But now think about uh, what kind of disruption has COVID brought. So um, priorities have shifted to reducing employee exposure to the virus, um, minimizing the potential treatment costs, uh, and maintaining productivity as work had shifted uh, from work to the home setting, um, in, uh, as well as ensuring that the employees could access their routine healthcare without potential exposure. So here, technologies like telemedicine, telehealth that Evan was talking about come in focus. And now you have so many more stakeholders interested in those technologies taking, uh, taking hold and continuing even well be be uh, beyond the pandemic. Um, and then obviously the artificial intelligence, uh, again, for early diagnostics, as well as um, kind of continuous monitoring, so wearables, um, as Evan mentioned, the IT, IT uh, and sensors that just come into such sharp focus with the challenge that COVID-19 presents. Um, other things um, that are, are uh, as, uh, as important are digital therapeutics, um, as well as care personalization in general, and even additive manufacturing and 3D printing. So that was an increasing trend, but think about what happened uh, during COVID-19, how many individuals had uh, used 3D printing technology to print their own PPE, so masks and protective shields where they couldn't source these things um, elsewhere um, and so on and so forth. So I don't want to um, go too uh, much further into trends unless you have uh, you want to dive into that, but um, uh, things and also things like digitizing clinical trials. And even with the COVID vaccine, we've seen unprecedented um, scale um, and innovation in uh, clinical trials. Um, so it's, um, uh, I think these are all the trends that will continue, um, continue to uh, expand and, and deepen as uh, COVID-19 is hopefully uh, going to be in the rear view uh, mirror in the next year or two. Dang, okay, you mentioned a lot of interesting topics and categories that I would love to dive deeper into. We could be sitting here talking all day about it, but I mean, <laughs> for guys, sure, we could do a follow up. <laughs> you guys are in the trenches. You guys have such a large following. You guys are like part of the game. So anything that you guys have your eyes on, like, that's important. You know, I'm going to take you take your word for that. Um, but I kind of want to shift over to Evira, you guys' marketing agency. You guys are doing a lot of um, marketing for these companies. And you just mentioned a lot of trending categories, AI, wearables, IoT, digital therapeutics. And with so much new technology coming out, how much harder is it going to be for people to kind of break through the noise and really share their message? And what sort of advice do you guys have for companies that are looking to begin marketing their company or just improve their overall marketing and getting their message out? Yeah, it's a great question. And one thing we've uh, noticed is that the COVID pandemic has turned marketing on its head 
uh, alongside every other activity, uh, traditional marketing in terms of meetings and events have pretty much been shifted online or thrown out the door. And companies have kind of had to uh, throw out or reinvent their marketing playbook, which has meant a massive shift to digital and social media marketing and other forms of online and digital engagement and away from, you know, the very traditional steadfast ways of reaching businesses and consumers pre-COVID. And so for us, what, what that has meant is helping companies really turbo boost their social and digital presence, particularly in the B2B uh, tech world and healthcare world where, you, you know, frankly, uh, you know, the healthcare community up until you know, recently were not the, the biggest proponents and participants on social media, but we've seen a massive change and shift, whether it's the uh, folks, the doctors and nurses on TikTok out there engaging and entertaining and informing uh, uh, to, uh, you know, various grassroots organizations on Twitter and LinkedIn, bringing people together on critical trending topics in healthcare and COVID and, and related areas, we've seen a sea change of interest and engagement. And you know, our job at, at Avira is to both help our clients be more successful and to kind of turbo boost their existing uh, engagement through the massive community we, we've managed to build around our interests and content. Irma, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely right. Um, in fact, uh, going back to the patient and the uh, patient advocate perspective, um, I think patients themselves have been using social media well ahead of the industry overall. And that is because uh, social media, uh, despite all the negativity that it could produce, it had been it has been, it remains to be a really a great source of uh, information um, for patients as well as the uh, community. So feeling that, uh, that support, um, that connection to others who are uh, kind of fighting the same ba uh, battles and experiencing uh, same health issues as well as um, other re related issues. So as we know, social determinants of health are, are basically part of the healthcare conversation now. Um, and uh, it has been for a while on social, just in these communities that are patient led, but also have a large participation from uh, physicians. So whether it's physician scientists who are actually working on um, developing certain innovations in the field, or they're just physicians who are dissatisfied with the status quo of the healthcare system, and they're looking to be more engaged with patients, not just their own patients who they're taking care of on a daily basis, but also as a patient, you know, with patients as a community overall. Um, so I think now there is a convergence with social media as a source of kind of grassroots movements um, and more and more organizations, whether that's nonprofits that we work with or uh, quite well established uh, companies like 3M Healthcare, uh, for example, Highland or Intel, and um, helping them tap into those communities that um, they want to listen to and learn from. So there is kind of like a mutual 
um, meeting of the minds, so to speak, of the different constituents. And we are uh, very happy to be the catalyst for some of that and also amplifiers of uh, those important voices on, on social. Awesome, awesome. And so you're dealing with these companies and kind of helping them reach their target audience, whether it's B2B or B2C. Um, you guys have mainly a focus on B2B, um, but what is the biggest hurdle or resistance, I guess, that you see your clients having when they're trying to market their companies? Is there anything that really sticks out to you guys? Well, I, I think, frankly, it's uh, knowledge and insight and hands-on experience. Uh, there's a difference between kind of being a uh, an observer of what's happening in digital marketing and social media and being a practitioner. And frankly, there are too many folks sitting on the sidelines versus their colleagues who are out there engaging and generating content and winning the game of, of social media marketing, whether it's B2B or B2C. And uh, when it comes to social, there's no excuse for not jumping in and engaging and getting involved and creating, you know, a podcast like you've done so well, Rodney, or a blog or, you know, a video conversation. And this is the new way of uh, quote unquote marketing these days. And there's a big divide between the companies that are winning in the digital marketing and social world and the companies that are being kind of left left out, left behind. And that's become increasingly apparent uh, and will become, you, you know, a big, a big gap between the winners and the losers in business in general, not just uh, from a, let's say, marketing company. So if, if you're not in the, uh, uh, you know, in your customer, in your consumer's thought process and top of mind on a day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week basis, you're going to be left behind. And, and that's what social media marketing is really all about. It's being that, that top of mind. And that's exactly right. Um, as Evan is saying, um, what winning me means, um, uh, you know, for us. So we focus on organic social media. Uh, versus paid social, which also has its place. Uh, but our focus is on that digital storytelling on organic social media and why content and being out there is so important, as Evan said, is because um, that's how um, you win is by capturing people's attention through true, interesting, important content. It's not about just clicks, but it's about getting engagement from yes, your target audience, but the audience is it's a little bit less transactional in this case. It's much more um, kind of based in trust and relationship building and uh, building that um, relationship over time. Organic social media marketing takes time. Um, it takes time to build trust, which is especially important in the whole healthcare industry as, as uh, you know, I know from being in it for 30 years, and as we know from kind of low, uh, slow adoption of social in this field. So it takes time, it takes commitment, it takes authenticity. Um, and, uh, and that's what we help out our clients with. Awesome, awesome. And so I know, like, another, 
idea people like play around with is like whether they should do it for themselves or do it themselves or hire someone to do it for them. And so obviously you guys are the marketing agency, but what would be that point to where it's like the people who are doing it themselves, like at what point should they reach out to somebody else to kind of take over their whole marketing and just have somebody do it for them? I don't think it's an either or question. I, I think it's and, and, and. <laughs> I think we encourage our clients not just to do it themselves, but to encourage their uh, employees to be more active on social, to get their executive and leadership team, their suppliers, their partners and investors to, to build a kind of army of engagers. And so we at Avira really complement our client social abilities and community. We don't look to replace it. I think a fundamental mistake is, is made when you outsource your social or digital or marketing or frankly, any innovation completely to a third party. And uh, we don't look to do that. We look to just act as an extension of our clients' own internal social and digital skills. So and more of complimenting them. Yeah, absolutely. And to um, kind of dive even, even a little bit deeper into this and talk strategy, um, if um, it's a startup or even an uh, established company that's struggling with funds and they don't have uh, enough resources to maybe um, create a, a large program and they just don't know where to start and how to incorporate social media into their overall marketing program. This is where our strategy work comes in. So um, we help companies develop that specific strategy of smartly incorporating social into their overall plan. And we also do um, onboarding and enablement and coaching of uh, internal resources, whether that's uh, a large marketing team or just a small, um, a small leadership team that will have to do it themselves. Uh, we teach them how to do it. We know the, the tips and tricks and, and uh, things that had worked for us and for our clients. And we um, are happy to enable internal teams to do this themselves. And uh, especially for those that haven't really tried um, social and we focus specifically on LinkedIn and Twitter, um, um, you know, most of all. Um, so if people haven't done Twitter chats or, or they're just not regularly engaged, it's a daunting task, but uh, we provide step-by-step -step guidance and, and uh, enablement, and it could um, be demystified and, and it was, uh, you know, somewhat reasonable uh, engagement, um, great progress could be achieved. So as Evan said, it's not either or, but it's also what we do is quite tailored to specific needs of our clients, depending on their size and their goals and their timelines and budget, frankly. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's like perfect place to kind of end the main part of the podcast interview. Um, I like to end each interview on a little more lighter note, something I like to call the rapid fire round. So mm -hmm. I'll ask you guys a set of questions and we'll just have Evan answer first and then Irma. But I got four questions for you guys. Um, you just give me whatever answer you guys come up with. Um, question number one. What is your favorite book of all time? For me, it's The Hobbit. 
And I read it as a kid. It's a, the ultimate fantasy uh, land. And it's even more of a, a, a fantasy world now in COVID. You can go to an amazing place, an amazing, uh, fantastical places in your mind through uh, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings series. So if you haven't read it or if you read it as a kid, it's time to reread it. Um, my answer is uh, a book that probably nobody uh, that's listening will know about. It's called Taste from Essence, uh, from Athens, and it's um, it's a historical novel about ancient Greece. And uh, I've read it as a 14-year-old um, teenager, just uh, was completely captivated by the fantasy and the um, and that foreign world. Uh, but the reason I mention it now, why it's still my favorite book, is because when I reread it as an adult, it, I was just astonished as how many of my world views and values have been in that book. And I wonder if it had shaped me as a teenager to aspire to, um, you know, great appreciation of the art and the human achievement, um, and as well as. Uh, you know, values of equality and, um, you know, democracy and some of those uh, other th in philosophy and other, th other things that, that I was just so fascinated as a teenager. Um, and face it, Irma just wants to go to Greece again. So that's another. <laughs> oh, point. yeah, I've been many times, but uh, <laughs> happy go to back. go anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Um, number two, who's the most influential person in your life or career? Good question. I'd have to say Albert Einstein, you know, one as a as a Jew who escaped Germany uh, by the skin of his teeth, uh, you know, an immigrant. My my grandparents were immigrants. And of course, the great intellectual, uh, probably the greatest scientist of all time, but also an artist and a humanitarian. And uh the more I learn about Einstein, the more amazing an individual he, he is. So Shout out I, I'd say if I could have dinner with someone living or dead, it would be him as well. Okay. I don't know. So for me, it's really a combination of multiple people, including personal heroes among my family members, public figures, and entrepreneurs working to make health and healthcare more accessible well as innovate to prevent disease. Um, you know, if we could have a world without disease, um, how wonderful would that be? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? 2021. You know, frankly, it was the same goal as last year, which is to survive the coronavirus pandemic. And <laughs> it seems like a trivial uh or not trivial, but a uh, obvious uh, a goal, but not so obvious when you look at our fellow countrymen and women out there uh, flouting rules and guidance and kind of ignoring the perilous state of the country. So, you know, they say health is wealth and, uh, you know, I hope to stay healthy in 2021. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise, I think that's a, that's a wonderful uh, goal and something we, it's almost, uh, it's almost, you can see it in different contexts by uh, bowing to and trying everything we can do to stay healthy ourselves by that, 
Um, we also protecting our families and our communities and, and nation and the world, right? So, and in COVID, it's just so apparent, but again, you can think of it a little bit more wide, widely. Uh, we have a responsibility to ourselves to do everything we can to be as healthy as possible. Um, with that comes uh, happiness and also uh, ability to do more in your career, to do more, um, to make the world a better place. Awesome, awesome. And then last but not least, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? <laughs> I would give myself two pieces of advice. Okay. One is, uh, you know, focus on self-care. And by that, I don't mean being selfish or egotistical. I mean, just taking care of yourself and your, your body and your mind and not just think about having fun or taking care of others, something I neglected to do a bit of. And also um, save more. I wish I had more money in the stock market uh, 30 years ago. So uh, <laughs> to those kids out there, just do it. <laughs> Very good. Um, my advice looking back would be to be more confident, have more conviction, and to constantly move in the direction of your dreams. Awesome. Awesome. I think that's the perfect piece of advice to end today's episode on <laughs> um but yeah just want to say thank you uh, evan and irma for just jumping on kind of sharing your journey sharing what you're doing in the healthcare industry and um, i know the importance of marketing and putting out valuable content for the community to consume and i know that's what your guys's main focus on so um definitely want to say i appreciate what you guys are doing and i appreciate you guys coming on well, Ronnie, thank thanks, you very thanks. much Thanks for what has, you do and in, <laughs> and helping educate all of us with your great podcast. Sorry, Irma. Um, oh, no worries. Uh, I second that. And, and thank you very much, Rodney. It's been a blast. Thank you for inviting us. No problem. No problem. Uh, but Irma, where can people connect with you guys and where can they learn more about um, your company? So to find both of us and learn more about what we do, it's evira.health, www e-v-i-r-a dot health and uh, both Evan and I can be found on Twitter and on LinkedIn. I'm at Irma Raste and Evan is at Evan Kerstel. Awesome, awesome. And I'll be sure to include all those links in the resources. Um, but with that being said, catch you guys on the next one. Mm -hmm.